Hi, welcome to the shallow dive on the Dafyomi. I hope you enjoy. Towards the bottom of Kimon and Aleph. Tana, betal ubruchos lo chaybu chachamim lahazke. Concerning the blessings of dew and wind, there's no obligation rabbinically to recall them in the Amidah. But if someone would like to recall them, he may do so. My time, what's the reasoning? Rabbi Hanina says the reason is because they are not held back. So as much as they are not held back, there's no obligation to recall them Within, within any specific time frame, they're blessings that are perpetual. And where do we derive this? That the dew is not held back. As is written, And Elijah the prophet, the Tishbite, from the dwellers of Gilad, El Ahov, to Ahab, Chai Adonai, Elohei Israel, by the life of God, the God of Israel, Asher Amadati Lefanov, and I have stood before him, Im Iyeh Hashanim Ha'ele, if there shall be during these years, Tal Umata, dew or rain, Ki'im Lafi Devari, other than at my word. And there's a subsequent verse. And it was many days. And the word of God was to Elijah. In the third year, saying, He appeared to Ahav, Ahab. And give forth rain on the face of the earth. The ilutal lo So the resolution of this famine does not entail the explicit return of the dew, just the return of the rain. My time. What's the reasoning? Mishum delomeatze. Top of Yemelamid base. Because it is not held back. And as much as the dew is not held back, why did Elijah the prophet say in his oath that in these years you will not have, other than at his word, dew or rain? This is what he meant to say. Not only will you not have rain, you will also not have the dew of blessing. But not that there won't be any dew whatsoever. And why does he not, in the restoration, declare that the dew will be, the dew of blessing will be restored? 
because it is not something that can be easily discerned. There's due. There was due throughout the period of three years. But the due of blessing was withheld. And now that it was being restored, so to announce that when it wouldn't be easily discernible was unnecessary. Let's go back to Rashi. Back to Gimel Amenala. Betal of Ruchos. The praise of God in the Amidah, in the silent prayer, the one who causes the wind to blow and brings forth dew, that is not obligatory. The sages did not require that praise. To recall even during the winter months. For they are not held back. For without them, the world could not be sustained. And that which we do declare, the praise of God, who causes the wind to blow and the rain to fall, it's not because of the obligation, rather that is the law, as it were, of rain that is being recalled. For dew and wind are beneficial for the earth, to prepare it, and to dry it, as described in Gimlam Abayz, that the wind following a rain is beneficial like another rain. And in the restoration, the verse describing the restoration after three years of famine, the dew is not recalled. He only mentions that the rain will be restored. Let's see Tosfus. And Elijah, the Tishbite, from the dwellers of Gilad, said, Why is he called from the dwellers of Gilad? For the Jewish people in the civil war, mentioned in the end of Sefer Shoftim, Book of Judges, describes the killing of those living in Yavesh Gilad, in result of the war over the concubine at Geva. And in the aftermath, there were very few of the original residents that were the settlers of Gilad, Yavish Gilad. Therefore, the verse testifies that Elio was from the original dwellers. So that's what I heard. Next tells us. Concerning the dew and the winds 
there is no obligation to recall them, to praise God for them in the Amidah. The one who causes the wind to blow and brings forth the dew. Therefore, there is no requirement, one shouldn't consider it necessity, to mention as a praise of God the one who brings down the dew. Even in the summer months. Ah, however, he should not praise God as the one who brings forth down the, the rain. Meaning in the time of the summer, it's, it's not a blessing, it's a curse to mention the rain, to the praise of God. The wrong time for rain. If in the winter months, he only recalls the praise of God, the one who brings down the rain, the delay, and he omits the one who causes the wind to blow, whether Muritals Magirs or not, controversial. Ein Machzirin. The halacha is, he does not need to go back, he has recalled in the winter the rain, that is adequate. Next, Sosos. The Ilutal lo And the dew is not withheld. Therefore, it would appear, the Gabi Gidon, concerning Gidon, Kishaomar, work with the text of the Bach. When Gidon said, Let it be dry on the skin of the goat by itself. But all surrounding it should be dew. When he asked for that to be the sign, it is declared, and so it was done. God did so. When he asked for the sign that the dew should exclusively be on the, the skin, and it should be dry all around on the land, it's written not that God did so, but it was so. That there was dew on this skin. But it does not say that he did so. It sounds like there was dew on the ground. So according to the first version in Tosfos, it sounds like support of this idea that the dew is not held back, that there was dew on the ground, it was not fully withheld. Exactly how that's a sign. Esher means that just the area right around the giza, right around the skin, did not have any moisture. But in general, the, gra- the ground was moist from dew. But I'll call upon him, the contrast between the two signs is supporting this idea that God doing it is different than it was so, in that the, the doing it was the full implementation of the request of the sign, because it did not conflict with 
the general rule of what the world needs, which includes Jit. And I have also found that when it states, on all of the land there shall be dew, see, Vayas Elohim came, and that was a sign. God did so. Does not mention God in the contrary sign, where the dew should just be on the skin and not on the surrounding ground. It's time on the reasoning. Asher Omar ki ki maske shemo And the rationale for that contrast contrasting description is because God does not recall his name together with evil. For if it would actually be dry on all of the land without any dew, it would be to the detriment of those dwelling on the land. And wherever I shall call my name, I will come to you and bless you. But in the contrasting sign that the dew would be on the land, not on the skin, there it does say that it was done by God. According to this version, it sounds like it was entirely dry, but the land, and that was the sign, but yet God did not designate his name to be associated with that state because it was contrary to the benefit of the people living on the land. Similarly, God called light day. God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. It doesn't say the name of God in conjunction with the darkness. Similarly with the second set of the Decalogue, the last five, from not committing murder and on, does not recall in that list the name of God. It's all meant to be understood one vein. Marshal Melech Shabonadira Noah. A parable is a king who built a beautiful dwelling. And hired an artist to decorate and adorn with various artistries by the entryways of the various parts of the dwelling other than for the entryway to the toilet. It was a place of tinuf, of filth, and therefore did not deserve the decorations, in spite of it being something that was built as part of this grand structure. Continuing in the Rashi's Gimel Ahmed Bey's, the dew was not restrained, Leolam, Throughout the entire period, even in those three years of famine, why did he swear if there should be dew or rain during these years? Other than at the command of my word, 
Ha'alonach, it was not withheld. Afilu tal de bracha. Sheitzmach shemtzema. The tal, the dew of blessing that was withheld, that should cause a sprouting of growth. And by the restoration, why not mention the restoration of dew? Says Rashi, he, Why didn't he say, and I shall give forth both the dew and the rain? Because it is not detectable, it is not clear. Because dew was continuous. And Ahab the wicked would not concede that there was any shift and that the dew of blessing was restored. Had he actually declared the truth that he was restoring not only the rain but also the dew of blessing, Ahab would have uh, opposed him. And he would have said, oh, that was never even withheld. Continuing in the Gemara, Ruchos Minolan Dilomiatri. We spoke about the dew. What about the winds? How do we know that the winds are not withheld? Amar Rabbi Shoban Levi, to Amar Kra, Rabbi Shoban Levi says this is in accordance with the verse. Ki Arba Ruchos Hashamayim Rasti Eschem. Neum Adonai. Or like four winds, directions of the heavens, I've spread you out. The word of God. My kamalohu, what is the message being conveyed in Zechariah, in his verse? If the message, the Holy One, blessed be he, is trying to convey to the Jewish people. That you shall be taken to the four directions, four uh, winds of the earth. If that's the idea, it should have said, the verse does say, like the four winds of the heavens, I've spread you out. It should have said, in the four winds of the heavens, four directions of the heavens. Rather, this is what the verse is trying to convey. Just as it is impossible for the world to be sustained without wind, so too it's impossible for the world to be sustained without the Jewish nation. Let's see Rashi. The world will become too, uh, too arid. There would be pollution. It would not be good. The, the world needs to have movement of the air for its health. Below Israel without the Jewish people. The world is only sustained on account of Israel. Jewish people sharing 
the enlightenment of God is critical to the fulfillment of divine purpose for the world. And this is what the verse is saying. Ki or like the four directions, uh, winds of the heavens, I have spread you out uh, to the various parts of the world, various directions of the world, in order that you shall be sustained. I've not created day and night the laws of heaven and earth I have not placed. This is a, a type of law we're saying it's similar to a physical law of what's necessary for the world to be sustainable. So it's a spiritual law also that the Jews are like the winds and necessary for the purpose of creation. Amar Rabbi Hanino says Rabbi Hanino Hilkach. Therefore, in the summer months, if he said, as the praise, the one who causes the wind to blow, he's not sent back. But if he did say that the rain, the, the, the praise of the rain, the one who brings the rain to come down, then then he is sent back. Rashi points out, Yimosachamo means from Nisan until Lachad, meaning Sokis. Ukhara Nisan means Pesach. Mashiva Ruach, Ein Machzir Noso, Tibelav Hochi, Lo Meatsen. If he says the one who causes the wind to blow, we don't tell him he needs to go back because, regardless, the winds do, never, do not stop. So the winds are continuous need. For the health of the world. It's not obligatory to praise God for them, but it's not in any way contraindicated, regardless of whatever time of year it is. But if in the summer he said the one who causes the rain to come down, then he is sent back. He must start again, omitting that praise. Because during the summer, the blessing, the praise of God, is when the rains are withheld. Kibin Dabo Amitra Lois Palo, Tilos Okahogan, since he's. So the prayer invoking the falling of the rain is inappropriate. So he goes back, to repeat it without this phrase of praise, the one who brings the rain down. For the rains in the summer are an omen of curse. This is an interference with the harvest. Even if he says the one who moves away the wind and interrupts the dew, or scatters the dew, he is not sent back. Rashi, Mavir Ruach, Shiloi Nashiv, that the wind should not blow, Mafriach Atal, Shiloi that the dew should not fall down. Ein Machzirnoso, he does not need to go back, Delome Atre, because this is 
not something that has any import and it's not a curse, it just is irrelevant. They will not be held back. Tana, it was taught. Considering the praise of God for the clouds and the winds, it's not a rabbinic requirement to recall them. But if he wants to come and recount these praises of God, he may do so. My time, what's the reasoning? Because they are not held back. The clouds and the winds are a permanent feature, and therefore one may pray but does not need to pray in praise of God for these things. Is it true that the clouds and the wind are not held back? And it was taught by Rav Yosef. Expounding the verse in Devarim. And he holds back the heavens. What does that mean? From the clouds. The consequence of not doing what we're supposed to do. Umina ruchos, and from the winds. Ata umina You say that it means a restriction of the clouds and the winds. Maybe that's not the case. Maybe it's only restricting the rain. Kesho omer The verse says, They will not be rain. Explicitly, So when it says the it can't be referring to rain. The heavens being withheld, held back, cannot be describing rain because that's mentioned explicitly later in the verse. So what is the subject of the verse? In what way are the heavens being held back? From the clouds and from the winds. So this is a stira. We first said this teaching, they don't need to be mentioned because they are not held back. And now we're teaching that they are held back under the wrong circumstances. So which way is it? The kasha from the stira, the contradiction about the clouds on the clouds, that is not a difficulty. There are different types of clouds. Let's see Rashi. Becharfi. Ovim Bechiros, early clouds, are born with Nehamater. They come prior to the rain. Einon Atsuros. Those clouds heralding the rain, those are not held back. So that's the original teaching. And that, the subject of the verse describing the potential of the heavens being withheld, that some clouds are being withheld, that's by Afli. Rashi says, Habos Milchoros. They come afterwards, later, at the conclusion of the rain. They are subsequent to the rain. After the rain, more clouds. It'll come on, as described shortly. And these ones are withheld. And since not all the clouds are withheld, 
Rashi says the clouds preceding the rains are always given. So, therefore, there's no need to mention the praise of the one who brings the clouds. Ruchos haruchos lokasha, and regarding the contradiction of winds on winds, haruch metsuya, haruch metsuya. There too, we will resolve the conflict. There are two types of winds. Winds that are typical and found, winds that are not typical, a wind that is not found is fit for people to, to use in their process of harvesting and threshing, winnowing. So therefore, it should require praise because we need the, the winds for that process. Gemara rejects that after minavosa. It's possible, even without any wind, to accomplish the winnowing process with vessels using a sieve. Other tools might be harder, but it's not necessary. Therefore, we don't, we're not required to say the praise for the one who brings the wind. Let's see Rashi. She'ena metsuya, ksiva The verse says that it is withheld by the winds. Nonetheless, it's not obligatory to praise God through the recollection of the one who brings the winds. Because it's adequate that we have the standard winds. And Rashi is explaining we could not have given the same answer that we said prior describing a difference of the clouds before the rain versus after the rain, because Ruch Matsuya is a standard, typical wind, which comes regularly, not linked to any particular time or meteorological phenomenon. Ruach She'ena Matsuya Nami Chazil Bedari L'gorin L'izro Sakashin Minatvua The atypical wind, a strong wind, is helpful for the harvesting fruit winnowing, separating the chaff from the grain, and why are we not obligated to recall that special atypical wind because of its value for us? Because it's possible to accomplish the same goal with tools. It's describing a sieve, a tool that can effectively do the job of winnowing, even without the wind. So therefore, there's no obligation. Even if it's helpful, it's not necessary. Let's see, Tosos. Ha becharfi. We described the apparent contradiction about the clouds. Are the clouds withheld or not withheld? So we saw, Rashi said, Kharfi, the early clouds, Enon Atsuros, those are not withheld. The clouds preceding the rains are continuous. Tosa says, Pirish Hade Omar Netzarim, Haina Bukharifi. Tosa says, Pumfaket. That which is described as the clouds that are withheld is describing Kharifi, the clouds that come prior to the rains. Kilomar, the Peros, Amis Bakros, 
But the later clouds that come after the rains, those are not withheld. Not sure what's pushing either Rashi or Tosos, but they seem to have diametrically opposed interpretations of which clouds are continuous and which ones are withheld, or may be withheld. Next Tosos. The contradiction, apparent contradiction, between whether the winds can be withheld or not, that is not a challenge. Ha'baruach, Mara says, the difference between Ruch Matsuya and Eina Matsuya, a typical wind versus an atypical wind. V'u'adin, the Matsu Shnuye, and similarly, it would be possible to teach, Ha'becharifi v'habafir. And this Rashi says would not be possible. Rashi says that this differentiation is inapplicable, not relevant for the winds. The wind that is common wind is just that it's common doesn't come particularly early or late Tosa says no it would have been good terrets but the Gemara had a better terrets continuing the Gemara Tana Ha'avim Baruchos Shniyos Lamata was taught that the clouds and the winds are second to the rain. Shneos Rashi says, Kima'at Shemo'ilos Kimotaratzma. They're almost as valuable and helpful as the rain itself. The second place. Hey in which way is this fulfilled? Amar Ula Vitema Rabyuda Rabyuda. The Balsa Mitra, this is subsequent to the rain. Having clouds and winds after the rain is when they confer this bounty and blessing. The Memra, the Malusi, this clearly indicates that that is a good thing. Boxi, and we have a challenge from what's written. God will place the rain of your land as dust and dirt. This this verse is describing a negative that the rain will cause for the land. The verse concludes, Ad Hisham Dach. This is a a bad consequence. Bamar Ula Vitemar Yudah Ula said, some say it was Rabbi Huda, Zika, the Basamitra, the wind following the rain. And that is what is so damaging. So which is it? Is it a blessing or not? Lokasha. Umar says there's a resolution, it's not a challenge. Ha da'asa nicha, ha da'asa razya. Depends on whether what falls, what, what blows subsequently is... Is it soft or is it strong? Tirashi. Omar Ula Vitemar Yehuda the Basar Mitra Avimiruchos shall achar mater. The clouds and the winds that come after the rain. Zika Lubar Sacha. Eaten Hashem es Mata Artsacha Avagwafa. This is a negative consequence. 
one has clouds and wind following the rain. When is that the case? Zika de basa mitra. The, the wind following the rain, sharuach mala that the wind kicks up dust, after the rains, and it sticks to the grain. This is a form of curse. It differentiates between whether it comes softly or strongly. When it comes down softly, it does not kick up dust. When it comes down harsh, with force, the Gemara does not have the correct text of Iboy's Emo, it's as our Gemara says, is in parentheses, should not be read. That the differentiation is whether it kicks up dirt or not. That it's just a simple equation that Zika, uh, the, the differentiation between harsh and soft, is the exact parallel between whether it kicks up dust or not, and causes problems or not. So, Avim and Ruchos, Shniya can be a blessing, or Chas V'Shalom Nehefech. Vama Rabbi Yehuda, and Rabbi Yehuda taught, Zika Debasa Mitra, Kimitra. The wind following the rain is like rain. Ivo Debasa Mitra, Kimitra. And the clouds following the rains are also like the rains. And the sun following the rains is like two periods of rain. So according to Rabbi Yehuda, it sounds like everything is wonderful. Whatever happens after the rains sounds great. What's it coming to exclude? What's not wonderful to come after the rains? That's two cases that are excluded. That are not blessings. See Rashi, Mutemai, Ma'achat Kulo Kemitra, since all of these cases of, of what follows the rains is like rain itself, Ma'ak Matino, what is excluded? The Havi Basre, that follows the rain, Vilo Havi Kemitra, and nonetheless is not a blessing like rain itself. Gilihi Delilio, Ishlostra Belaz, or a light that ascends in the darkness. So a light in the darkness is is uh, is found. That type of light is not a blessing like the rain when it's found at, at night. After the rain, and during the day, the sun between the karhi, between the areas that are uh, bald, between the clouds, that it appears to be sunny in one spot, and in another spot, cloudy. Like someone who's balding that has hair in one place and scalp in the other. So that is excluded. That is not a state of blessing 
that is, when it comes after a rain, it's not like the rain itself. Omar Rava. Male talgo leture kechamisha matre la'ara. The value of snow on the mountains is like five rains on the ground. Shenamar, as the verse states, ki la sheleg yomar ave aretz, Uzo. This verse for the snow shall be declared to go to the ground. Vigeshem and rain, motor, rain, two descriptions. Vigeshem, another description of rain. Mitros is plural, two forms of rain. That's five, Uzo of his strength. Gamarava, Talgo, Liture, and Rava said, the snow of the mountains. Mitra, Razdio Lilnone, Mitra, Nicho Lepere. So the blessings that Rava is describing are snow for the mountains and strong rains for the trees and soft rains for the fruits. The various forms of precipitation confer various blessings depending on the context. Rashi says, Mitra nicho benachas When the rain falls down in a soft way, it is good for the fruits and the grain. Rabbeinu Gershom speaks over here. He explains, because the clouds and the wind are perpetual, therefore, they're not subject to blessing or curse. We do see a verse seeming to have clouds and winds subject to blessing or curse. And therefore, the implicit question is, why did we declare that the sages said it's not necessary to praise God for them if they are subject to blessing or curse? The clouds that come before the rain, those are not subject to blessing. And the clouds that come after the rain, those are subject to blessing. Blessing or the opposite meaning that the the earlier rains the earlier clouds preceding the rains the fact that that's not subject to blessing means it's unchanging the way that Rabbeinu Gershom is learning we saw in Rashi and Tosos there's a disagreement over here Rashi says they are not held back Meaning, that's another way of saying that the earlier clouds prior to the rain are not subject to blessing or curse. That is in line with what Rashi is saying. The clouds that come after the rains, 
that's where you find the verse describing they may be they might be held back. But since they are not withheld in, in their entirety, so it's not required to mention them in the praise. That's how Rashi explains. Rabbeinu Gershon continues, Ruch Matsuya Bracha. By the common wind, there is blessing. She'ena Matsuya, Eina Bracha. What is an atypical wind is not the subject of blessing. Meboy Lebeidori, Kibach Trichinheim, since they are these sharp winds helpful for winnowing. So they can be subject to being withheld, and they are also, conversely, subject to blessing. Since they are not necessary, these sharp winds, therefore they are not really in this continuum between an abundance or a lack that causes blessing or curse. They, they're a nice thing to have, but unnecessary. Continuing the Gemara. Omar Rabba. Male. Sorry. The Gemara continuing on Dalamanal. Orfilo afilu liparsido. Rashi says, Rapila is Gishomim Dakim, Drizzle. Kashman, that's what they're called, Orfilo. Afilu Parsido, the Tutekalo. Rashi says, Hagarin, the seed, Shutachas Gusha Shal Karko, that is under a clod of dirt. It helps. So the benefit of Drizzle is great. It helps the submerged seed. My Urfila, what is the etymology of this term for drizzle? Oro file. As she says, Shasosim Sake Aretz, that closes up the cracks in the ground. That it causes the growth and sprouting of the seeds. Omdim that come up through the cracks in the ground. Tosa says, Urfila. I know Geshem Dak, it means drizzle. Afil Patsido, the Tute, Kalamahani, even for a seed that is under a clod of earth, does it help to grow? Pirish, Patsido, Zu Garin. Patsido is referring to the seed. Shu Mitachasa Evan, it's under a rock. I know Komo, Chita, like a grain, a kernel of grain that's under the ground. My Urfila, Orofile, Pirush. That they are awakened and spread. Pile, Pirush, Oson, Haomdim, Those that stand in the cracks of the ground are awakened and spread. That is the description of what drizzle does and why drizzle is called Urfila. Omar Rava, the Omar Rava and Rava said, Hai Tsuva Mirabonon, Domi Lepratsido, the Tutekala. The up-and-coming Torah scholars are like this seed that is under the earth, a clod of earth, that sprouts in the drizzle, kivan denovat novat. But once it has sprouted, it sprouts. Nomar Rava, Haitzuvo, Mirabonon, Dirotach, Rava also taught 
with the aspiring Torah scholar that becomes angered, it is the Torah that has angered him, that has stirred him up. Shanamar, as the verse says, Hello, Behold, so is my word like a fire, the word of God. And like a hammer shall shatter a rock. The power of the Torah is being described in this verse like fire. So Rashi explains Turva Merabonon Bokhur Chorif, a young and sharp aspiring scholar, Kemo Vedetrivim Sechas Beitza, Tamachacham Zokin Lokhoris Surva. An older seasoned scholar is not called Surva, Ella, who Merabonon Karli, he's called from the rabbis. Kivon de Novat Novat, once he has sprouted, he sprouts, Shemaschil Levatves, the just as the sprout, once it pierces through, continues to ascend, so too the Once his name has gone out, he continues to ascend in greatness. The Torah is stirring him up. Because he has a broad heart from his Torah learning. And he takes things into his heart more than other people. And he can be angered and distressed by something because of that sensitivity. And what is the purpose of this teaching is that because the Torah gives him this perspective, that is where the anger is coming from. And a person should be down at to appreciate where he's coming from, that he's more sensitive and likely to take things in a way because of his perspective with anger and to give them the benefit of the doubt. Ko'esh, like fire, that heats up the entire body. Ravashi, and Ravashi also taught, any tamachacham that is not hard like iron is not a tamachacham. Shneemar, this verse, kapati shiputzitzela, like a, a hammer that shatters the rock. Amar lei Rabbi Abba l'Ravashi, atun mehasam masninula, you derived this from there. Anam mehacham masninula, we derived it from here. Dechsiv, as the verse states, eres asher lo b'miskenus. The land that its rocks are like iron. Do not say its stones, rather its builders. Its builders are like iron. And that's an indication that our builders are like iron. Rashi says, that they sustain the world in their building. Barzel, like iron. Kapdonin, that they are makvid, 
Vikashim Kibarzam. They're meticulous and and hard, certain rigidity like iron. And nonetheless, a person needs to teach to their soul to be soft. Shenemar, as the verse states, and remove anger from your heart. The fascinating Gemara that works on this same Pasuk in Kedushin, Taflamed Amad Beis, Tano de Bey Rabbi Shmuel, start in the house of Rabbi Shmuel. Bnei, in public called my son, if this lowly one accosts you, referring to the evil inclination, Mashchel Beis Hamedrash, drag him into the Beis Hamedrash, the study hall. If he approaches you as a stone, he will be pulverized. And if he is like iron, he will be shattered. As it says, My words are like fire, the word of God. Like a hammer that shatters a rock. If it's like a stone, it will be pulverized. All who are thirsty should go to waters. The stones will be ground up by water. So we see this identification of the verse of the Word of God, the power of the Word of God in shattering the evil inclination that takes the form of barzal, considered like iron. And we also see in general that the Talmud Chacham, based on the same verse, is also considered fundamentally to be kosher kibarza. He's hardened like steel. So, what is the, the Yishuf to understand what's going on? And I think the idea, or at least an idea, in understanding what's going on here is that. Torah is not merely an intellectual engagement, but it is meant to penetrate the person's essence. And the Tamil Chacham is such a person. It doesn't just have ideas, knowledge, but it is internalized, becomes part of him. And the person who pursues the Torah and breaks himself in order to understand Dvar Hashem, that is a process that steals a person. It hardens a person. And it is also the process of pursuing the word of God, that is also a process that shatters the Yetzirah, which is also like iron, that also is hard, that encroaches upon a person, antagonizes a person. The Torah has a life-altering capacity to penetrate a human being they become a tamachacham, and it steals them, it hardens them to become one with the Torah. They internalize the Torah. The 
Rosh Hashiva, Rabbi Meiselman, said that a person breaks his head for a whole year trying to understand Babakama. Maybe, just maybe, will that person be able to overcome the inclination to violate the Torah by stealing. The Torah says not to steal. The person who works hard to understand and to internalize all of the nuances of Baba Kama, what it means, then they have the protection, they, then they have the ability to overcome the Yitzhahara, and they can be steeled and strengthened to not succumb to the Yitzhahara. Omar Rishmuel bar Nachmeni, Rishmuel says, Rishmuel, the son of Nachmeni, said, Omar Rabbi in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, Three asked in an inappropriate manner, Two of them were answered in spite of the inappropriateness of the request, they were answered appropriately. One was responded to in a manner that was consistent with the way he approached. Inappropriately, he was responded to inappropriately. And these are them. Eliezer Abed Avram. Eliezer, the servant of Avram. Yeshol ben Kish. And in Saul. Viftach Agiladi. And Yiftach, one of the judges from Gilad. Eliezer Abed Avram. What happened by Eliezer, as is written, Vayanara. Asher that he says, whichever young girl it is that I ask for her to tilt her jug to give us from the water, that's the girl. I would think maybe this is true even if she is lame or blind. But nonetheless, the response from God was appropriate. And he sent out Rivka, not another girl that would have been inappropriate for Yitzchak. Shaul ben Kish, where we find Shaul asking inappropriately, as is written, the one who strikes Goliath will be made wealthy, Amalch by the king, Oshegol, a great wealth, and he will also be given the princess as a wife. There was no stipulation. Maybe you would think even a slave or a mamzer was not allowed to marry into the Jewish nation. What if one of those two actually is able to vanquish Goliath? Would they also be allowed to marry the daughter of the king? And nonetheless, he was responded appropriately. The answer he got is Daniel David. And David came forth who was fine, good, in fact, initiated the ultimate dynasty of Jewish monarchy. Yiftach Hagilavi. Yiftach, who was the judge, and it shall be the one who goes out forth from the doors of my house. He was going to consecrate it in... Gratitude for the victory. 
what if what he encounters first would be something ritually impure? So he should not have made such a blanket statement. And he was responded to in an inappropriate manner. And his daughter came out to greet him. And this is in accord with what the prophet of Israel said. Is there no balm in Gilad? Is there no healer there? And it's written, that I have not commanded, that I have not spoken, that never entered into my heart to, to declare. That I did not command. God did not command Mesha, the king of Moab, to sacrifice his firstborn. As the verse states, And he took, referring to Mesha, king of Moab, his firstborn son that would have ruled after him. And he offered him up as an elevation burnt offering. Bad idea. The low libarati, ze yiftach. And I did not utter, I did not declare, this is referring to yiftach. The low al salibi, and did not enter into my heart, ze yitzchak ben Avram. This is referring to the binding of Isaac that God never intended for him to be sacrificed. The fascinating thing with Shaul. He was answered appropriately. But in spite of the risk that he undertook by saying, whoever does this act of valor and saves us from Goliath, from Goliath, will merit my daughter's hand in marriage, David came. David was kosher. But because he made an offer that was inappropriate, he was exposed to doubts about the purity of David Amal's ancestry. The Gemara in Yavamis and Yavav Mebez says, This is what Shaul said. If David comes from Peretz, is he coming from Zerach? Find out about this fellow. What is his ancestry? He's from the tribe of Judah, but from which family? If he comes from Peretz, then he has royalty. But the king bursts forth to make a road, to make a path. And nobody can uh, dissent against him. If he's coming from Zerach, then he will be considered a dignitary, but not a king. My time, what's the reasoning? That he said to inquire about him, as is written, and Shaul dressed David with his own armor. Shaul was head and shoulders above the rest of the nation. So Shaul was noticing, remarkably, that David was able to fit into this armor. So he thought maybe he's royalty. Amalei dogadomi, doegadomi, responded. 
Until you ask concerning him, is he fit to be a monarch? Imlav or not? Find out, is he fit to enter into the Jewish people, even a simple member of the Jewish people? Or not? Imlav. What's the reasoning? Because he comes from Ruth the Moabitus. Avner says it was taught, Amoni Amonis, a male from Amon and not a female from Amon. Moabit Mulavis, a male from Moab and not a female from Moab. Ella Meata Mamzvla Mamzeres. Doeg counters, if that's the case, why don't you say only a male Mamzer, not a female Mamzeres? A product of an illicit union. Mamzer Ksiv. So Avner responded, it's written, Mamzer. Mumzar, Mumzaros, the blemish of the inappropriateness. Mitzri Velomitzris, why don't you darshan a male from Egypt, not a female? Shani Hocha, Parish time of the crop. So he said, this is different. The verse says the reasoning by Amon and Moab, They are specifically excluded, Amon and Moab because they did not come out to greet you with bread and water, and it is the way of a man to come out, not the way of a woman. So finally, Doig says, but maybe the men could greet the men and the women the women. And on that, Avner did not have an answer. He was silent. That's when... Shaul Melech, King Saul, inquired, Who is this the son of? The differentiation of term is meant to allude to the fact that Shaul was very concerned, and he said, Go and inquire in the study hall. What is the, the halacha here? In the study hall, they also had this tradition that only the males of Ammon and Moab are restricted from entering into the Jewish nation. Actually, Doeg and Doeg pressed his questions, and they ultimately did not have an answer to his question. Why not hold the women responsible for not going out to give bread and water to the Jewish women? Boy, la cruz he came out to uh, make a declaration concerning him. Yad, Amasa ben Ish. The verse states, Amasa, the son of a man of Shmo, Yisra, Yisraeli, Ashabah, Abigail, Bas Nochash, is a husband of Abigail, the daughter of Nochash, Yishai, Lexiv, Yese, Shmaeli. And he's also described as Yeser, the Ishmaelite, unusual term. Why is he called the Ishmaelite. Amarava Malamed is coming to comes to teach you Shekhige Kharba Kishma that he took his his scimitar like an Ishmaelite. Anybody that doesn't listen up and accept this halacha shall be pierced with the sword scimitar. This is a tradition I received from the court of Shmuel Aramasi. Amoni, Vlamonis, Moavi, Moavis, that it's only the males that are restricted, not the females. Someone asked parenthetically, Mehemin, is he really believed? 
Rabbi Abba, Amarav, called Tamachacham Shemira Halacha, Uba, Tamachacham that gives a novel ruling. Im Karamaisa Amram Shonlo. If he says it before it was relevant to him personally, he's to be his ruling is to be accepted. Vimlav ain't Shonlo. But if not, so don't necessarily accept it. Shani Halacha. This is different. This is in the lifetime of Shmuel and his court. And therefore, even though it was relevant to him, it was critical to the purity of his own family. Nonetheless, it was in the time of Shmuel and his Bezdin, there's no concern that it wouldn't be found out if he was distorting what was taught. What about the question? Here it was taught, this, in, in accord with this verse, all of the glory of the daughter of the king is internal. And Vitemo by Marova Amri, and they say in the West, in Israel, Vitemo Rabbi Yitzchak Amar, some say it was Rabbi Yitzchak who said, Kral, a different verse, where is Sarah your wife? Another indication of the, the importance and the emphasis on feminine modesty. Let's come back to Tainus. Three asked in an inappropriate manner. Tosa says, Eliezer Shal Vivtach. Vimtoma, Amai Lukhoshiv Kali Benyafuna. If you'll ask, why is Kali Benyafuna not added to the list? Say there were four that asked in a manner that was inappropriate. Shomar, as he said, Shayakes Kiya Sefer, the one who strikes. And conquers it. That will give my daughter to him as a wife. Why is Kalev not criticized like the others over here? He didn't make a qualification. Maybe the one who would engage in this military action would be a mamzer and evet. Ish loma. The hadik amar kali shitin lo bito hachi kamar. Call me shoch lasser osan alachos sheshachu bime evlo shamoshe eten lo achsabiti. The kali was saying. Whoever is able to restore the halachas that were lost during the mourning period of Moshe, he will be the one that I will give my daughter as a wife to. Lachar, according to this teretz, it's mashma that the only one who would have the capacity to do that would be somebody who is a miyuchis. It would not be possible for an evid or a mamzer. Therefore, it was not considered Shiloka Hogan. For somebody to have that capacity to be Machser the Torah that was lost through the forgetting in the morning of Moshe's death, that can only be done through a miyokas, which is a chiddush. We do fine. Marnyavamis says that you could have somebody who's pogum and technically is kosher. And various Amorim are saying, even if he would be like Shoben Nun, I wouldn't take him as a son-in-law. It sounds like it's conceivable for somebody to be 
a great scholar with a blemish on his pedigree. It could be that there are limits to that. It could be that in order to be machzir the Torah, that was forgotten, not just to be a standard chacham, that would require, even though not nevuah, one cannot restore the Torah through a new revelation, but nonetheless, like the Gemara Baba Basra says, there's like a baskal, a certain a continuation of nevuah, natan chacham, is mechavim to das elokim, das elyum, and that is a, a lower form of nevuah, and so to be master the Torah that was lost would not be conceivable other than through a miyuchis. If it was a military issue, then yes, it would be Shiloh Kahogan, like Aishahu, but in the interpretation that it's the restoration of forgotten Torah, so that would be requiring a clean pedigree, and therefore it's not considered inappropriate. That's one answer. Vyesh why was she called Asa, his daughter, a colleague? For whoever saw her got angry at his own wife. This is certainly because of the great degree of modesty that they perceived in her. And therefore, Kalev and Yifuna, her father, relied. He was confident, even without making a stipulation, according to this interpretation, even discussing military conquests, not the restoration of forgotten Torah. Nonetheless, because of her great stature, her great modesty, so her father was confident that she would not be matched with somebody that was unworthy. Between her merits as an paragon of Tznius, of modesty, and his merit, so that would be adequate without a stipulation. Lo misdavgan lo el kafi in accordance with the principle that person is matched up in accordance with their deeds. says that an appropriate match depends on one's deeds. Gemara Sota says, gives an introduction to Sota. Amar Hachi. He declared the following Ain Mizafkin Lola Adam Isha Elafimaisov. Person is connected to a woman he's married in accordance with his deeds. Shnamai Kiloy Noch Shevet Reshal Gara Tzadikim. Or shall not rest the lot of the, 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 the staff of the wicked on the lot of the righteous. It was taught in the name of Rabbi Yochanan that it's, it's difficult 
to match together. Husband and wife like the splitting of the sea. Shnema, as it is stated, Elohim Moshe Yechidim Beiso. God fashions from individuals a home. Moshe Yasim Bekoshos. And brings out those bound in a good way. Any. As this of Amar Rav Yehuda Amar Rav. Rav Yehuda said the name of Rav. Arbaam Yom Kodim Yitzhiyosav Lad. Basko Yotzeh Svamerets. Basko Amerponi. Forty days before the formation of the child, a heavenly voice comes out and declares the daughter of so-and-so to so-and-so. So there seems to be an element of destiny, not just strictly one's deeds. One's deeds depend on what they do. What is this announcement coming out before there are any deeds? Lokasha, the more resolves, this is not a contradiction. Hob is Vagrishan, Hob is Vagshani. By Zivogarishan, the first match, that is Lafi Mazel. By Zivogshani, the second match, that is according to one's deeds. Rashi says, Mizabin Isha Lafi Maisov, Snua Latzadik Rosha. A woman who embodies modesty to the righteous, and a woman who is the opposite. To the wicked. Do not have an attachment of empowerment of wickedness over the lot of the righteous. So the Chera, Rashi says, Zivugrishan is the Fiamazel, Zivugshani, the Fi Maisov. And that's where it says, Koshal Zavgin, the Fi Bazugo. That is where there's a challenge. It's called something that is, is not the, the predestined match. When it comes down to the union based on deeds, that is challenging, that is difficult. So, Lachar, we don't find that we're dealing with Zibuk Shani over here. Right? It's, it's clear in the second terence that Kale Benyufuna is relying on the tznias, like Rashi said, the tznias of his daughter, together with his merits, to ensure that there will not be a problem. The suitor that is successful in this military campaign will be appropriate for her. Clearly, we see from Tosus and Esteretz that the idea of tznul tzadik is not exclusively of Zivushani Lefimaiso, but Zivogrishan as well. Meaning that even if this was the intended match that was declared by the heavenly voice 40 days before formation of the child, if, as it turns out, those two people are not suited to each other because of the Mycin, there's a gap between Hertznias and his Rishas, or the other way around then it's not going to go. is an overriding principle. It's not difficult when it, it stims and it matches with the Baskal's utterance of what would be a good match. The challenge is when it's not what the Baskal said. But Kalev is so mechanis in spite of it not being Zivug So we see over here that 
Nizavin Adam the Fimaisa is true Bain Bizvigrish and Bain Bizvigshane. Whether it's the first match or second match, there is an element that the person's deeds do factor into the actual union that takes place. And it's not strictly for Zivogshain. Next Tosos. Next Tosos. In describing the inappropriateness of Eliezer's prayer to God, determining that whoever, whichever girl comes out offering to tilt her jug to give water to him and his camels, did not make any qualifications. It sounds as though he would accept even if she would be maimed or blind. Tamar, this is a wonder. We just finished. Why don't we say the same thing as it said by Shaul? The inappropriateness it would be a blemish in the lineage. Why are we worried only about her physical deformity, potentially? What about the lineage potential problems? So Rashi says that in the time of Eliezer, it was not yet relevant to have a pedigree blemish of Mamzerus. It's before the giving of the Torah. There were no Mamzer. Inami, alternatively. Surprising Teretz. Alternatively, since we're talking about searching for a wife, so the general concern is looking for beauty, and you're right. According to this interpretation, it would also be bad news if she would be Mamzeris. Lachera, this test doesn't like the previous the, the previous answer because there still is Avdos. Even if you don't have the problem of Mamzeris, you could still have a problem of Avdos. The same reason Avram didn't want to take Eliezer's daughter for Yitzchak is because she's a Shifcha, the son of an Eved, a maidservant, the son of a slave, the daughter of a slave. So too, in theory, that would be a problem here. What if a slave girl comes up, very kind-hearted girl, but still, there's no qualification about that. So even though you don't have Mamzerus, but you could have Abdus. So the second terrorist is not happy and says, like I said, somewhat surprising, the primary concern would be for her beauty and the problem of having this physical deformity of being lame or blind would be against her beauty and that's as it were a bigger consideration even though of course the consideration of mamzerus is fundamental even if it's not valid in that time period but avdus also avram was clearly careful about that she shouldn't be the daughter of a slave Nonetheless, Tos was suggesting in this answer that the concern of beauty was an overriding, more general concern. Lim Tomai. Hey, Eliezer, And if you'll ask, how do we say that Eliezer asked in an inappropriate manner? Why are you saying, why is the Gemara presenting Eliezer as being brash in his prayer? 
with this potential risk, no one's forcing him to approach her and say, can you tilt your jug to give me something to drink, me and my camels? If he sees that the girl coming out is deformed or has a problem like being blind, so he doesn't have to ask her. And then the whole thing doesn't get started. So he's still retaining some level of consideration here of, of who he would ask. So why are we faulting him for potentially entering a situation that would be less than ideal? Some say that this is the interpretation. Perhaps he would include even a girl who is lame or blind. Even in a case where she has a very good prosthetic limb and she doesn't look like a pirate with a stump, she's got uh, a foot of, of, of eights of wood that's covered up with a nice shoe, not able to tell that she actually has this severe physical impairment. And he wouldn't know, and he would ask her, and find out afterwards, and it's too late. Oh, Suma, or if she's blind, or that she'll be blind, but and she has beautiful eyes, but she doesn't see. So, interesting that Tosus is suggesting that that would be possible for him to overlook, but Tosus says perhaps she might have this problem, either of these problems, without Eliezer noticing first and going forward. And therefore it's considered Shiloka Hogan. Next tells us, This is what the Prophet said to Israel. Sorry, in Begilad, is there no balm in Gilad? In Rofe, in Shom, is there no healer? Kiloma, as if to say, To annul the vow that Yiftach took, and the question is, there was Pinchas. Pinchas was available. He was a great leader. He should have been able to be Matir Nezir, to annul the vow that Yiftach took, which was a bad vow. His daughter was the one who came out. Not, not should not be sacrificing his daughter over here. Why did Yiftach go to Pinchas to annul his vow? Element of Gassus Rucho, because of his haughtiness, he said, I'm not going to go to him, I am the judge. Minogit and a prince, let him come to me. Let him come to me, because I'm the prophet. And through my hand, we'll be able to exempt this situation. I would be able to exempt the daughter from this vine. Because of the standoff, both were punished. For the Misa. His limbs fell off before his death. Penachas was punished as it's written. That Hashem beforehand was with him. Apparently, the Shekhinah was nostalgic from him because he did not go to intervene, even though 
there was a correct taina that he was a Navi and Yiftach should have come to him, but still, if Yiftach's not coming, he should have gone to Yiftach. They're both ninja. They're both punished. Continuing in the Gemara, Amar Rabbi Brachio, Af Knesset Yisrael, Shalosh Hogan. Even gathering of Israel broadly asked inappropriately of God, but God responded appropriately. Shanema, as the verse states, the request of the Jewish people was that we know God, that he should be like the rains coming to us, which is Shiloke Hogan, Kegeshem Lano, Ayavo Kegeshem Lano, Rashi says, Pamim enum is bakish. Shows him in Klaudakayats, as we've seen earlier. In the summer, it's the wrong time for rain. It's a simon klala, it's a sign of a curse. It interferes with the harvest, and it's not the right time for rain. Whereas the, the experience of closeness with God, there is no wrong time. So it was an inappropriate phrasing of this question, this request of God. What did a Kaddish Baruch respond? my daughter, You seek for me something. Sometimes it's requested, sometimes it's not. But I will be for you like something that is always sought. Shenema, as the verse states, I will be like the dew for Israel. Another example the Jewish people asked of God in an inappropriate manner. The Jewish nation said before God, Master of the universe, Place me as a seal on your heart. On your heart. Like a seal on your arm. God said to Knesset Yisrael, My daughter, you are asking something that sometimes is visible, sometimes is not visible, is covered over. But I will do for you something, I will make for you something that is always visible. As the verse states, I have engraved you on my palms. The palms are always exposed, unlike the arms that are sometimes covered, sometimes exposed, but the palms are always exposed. So there's an always revealed sense that we are engraved, as it were, by Kaddish Baruch in a revealed way. So the two versions, uh, additional versions of what the Jewish people asked of God in an inappropriate manner, but God responded in an appropriate manner, reflecting the first one is why we brought all of these cases of asking things inappropriately but being responded usually appropriately occasionally not to bring forth this point that the geshem is the rain is something that has its times and sometimes is not a blessing whereas the dew is something that is always a blessing